Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sinner and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. Get on it, we got on a uh, we got on gentleman's clubs. Oh. How do you like those? Oh, hey, I'm ready for Mickey Mouse now. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye? Where do you want it? On 1080 the fan. <laughs> Welcome back in. It's hour two. Miss anything from hour one. The podcast will be available uh, shortly. Go to 1080thefan.com, radio.com. Tell your smart speaker to shut up and stop listening to me, you weird robot. Who let you into my house? Oh, wait. That one took a while to get approved by Amazon. (laughs) They were like, really? All of that? They announced, Amazon announced that they were going to change the Alexa voice to Samuel L. Jackson, including profanity, a while back. Has there been any, up, any update on that? Is that a thing that's available? I do not have any smart speakers in my home. I don't think that's on, uh, like, high on their priority list right now. Right. What's Amazon doing? They're not busy with anything, are they? Oh, you know, just uh, ruining the economy. <laughs> not ruining. Replacing uh, the economy. Oh, that's right. That's just trying or, to take you know, over. having just millions of people out delivering stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, they could be a little bit busy with that, I suppose. The fan text line, 503-250-1080 if you want to interact with the show. P1 Tyler says there should be a Sinner and Saint drinking game. I don't have any more details from Tyler on that, but I assume it means that every time Will gets angry, we drink. Or every time Will makes an outlandish comment, we drink. Outlandish, please. Outlandish? Uh, outlandish. Uh, outlandish. How, what do you think I said? Something like... See, I can't even think of anything outlandish. I could take on a hippo in a fight. and That's uh, not outlandish. And I could compete in NASCAR with a, a week's prep. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Both of those yeah. just haven't been proven yet. It's not outlandish. We just, we just don't have enough information Feels yet. outlandish. All right, so if anybody listening has access to a hippo or a uh, NASCAR, I need you to text five. 03-250-1080. And if you do, we just want to meet you. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no. Listen, if, if you have one or the other, I'm not impressed. If you have both. If you have both, I want to meet wanna, you. Then what's, we want to meet Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What were the circumstances at which you got both those things? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I need to know. So, um, yeah. Uh, Tyler's going to help us come up with the rules. We'll debut it next week. We'll come up with the, the opening segment. We will have it. So uh, we'll work on it over the week. 
Um, I haven't given the update in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, I think because I was off two weeks ago, and then last week we just missed it. Care to guess how many days since the NBA was suspended? Days? Days, hours, minutes, seconds are in Ooh, front of me. Well, I will let you guess days. Uh, okay, if I ever have to go months, this happened in late March, right? Mid-March. Mid-March, okay. Uh, give me like 78. 86 days, Damn. 15 hours, 33 minutes, and 39 seconds since the NBA announced that it would suspend its season. That happened on Wednesday, March 11th, 2020 at 6.37 p.m. Oregon time. Damn, Oregon time. Portland, Oregon time. So uh, we are 86 days since the NBA stopped. They're going to start up in uh, July, July 31st. So it's going to be almost five months by the time that we get to the start of the NBA season because you've got we're at three months now, all of June, all of July, basically, mm. and they'll they'll get things re rolling again. Um, but you know the the whole COVID nineteen stay at home orders that have been different across the country and and we've seen in different variations was kind of started when the NBA decided that they're going to suspend their season and and the the positive test from Rudy Gobert so you wonder how much of the return to normalcy will be revolved around sports, how much the, the NBA can help and, and create a system where people can go back and be safe with figuring out the testing, figuring out the, the, the way that the bubble for a lack of a better term uh, that they're building in Orlando will actually work. We've seen sports resume in Europe. We've seen uh, sports resume in Asia in some capacity. So It'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off. Um, but the other thing that's happened this week is now we're in day 12 of the protests across America that have been, for the most part, peaceful across the country. But we've seen yeah. we've seen so, as of late. Well, but we've seen so much of the imagery, even when peaceful protests were going on, they were overshadowed by the violence, the looting, uh, the rioting that was going on across this country. Um, but I think I think the most of what we've seen. But now we're day 12. This week saw a ton of apologies for lack of a better term. Drew Brees, we talked about in the last segment, um, having to, to issue an apology when he said that it was about the flag. We also saw it from Roger Goodell coming out and saying that not only should he have listened to players more back then, they should have taken more of an active role uh, in the protests that happened between 2016 and 2018. Ah, yes. Let me just make sure that uh, we are clear on that. Mm -hmm. I don't think he really made a reference to time, did he? No, no, no. He said he said that he should have listened to the players during the protest. I'm just saying that that's when the protest yeah. was. Colin Kaepernick. See, that right there is kind of part of the issue. And a lot of players have come out in kind of counter response to yep. his statement, basically saying like, look, it's great you're saying this, but you're being incredibly vague and you're not being straightforward with this you're not mentioning Colin Kaepernick you're not mentioning kneeling you're just kind of being out there and vague now the one thing that he kind of did leave a window open for was hey we're going to be more supportive in the future of protests yeah. and I guess maybe that alludes to it but I think that this is so much of what Roger Goodell and the NFL have represented in the past decade which is if the end of the day even when they do stuff that's right or cool or nice there's always kind of this under twinge of like, yeah, but we were right. <laughs> or, 
yeah, but you know, it wasn't totally our fault. Well, you've 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 often praised on this show the way the NBA has empowered their players. I think the NFL players are being a lot more vocal in in these protests than we saw, even even in the kneeling, because there's so many people on both sides of it. There were a lot of people that had the same opinion that Drew Brees uh, put on. Uh, it was in an interview, I think, with Yahoo on Thursday. Uh, that that he shared his opinion that you know the military uh, um, heritage in his family was more important than than the the Black Lives Matter protest or the kneeling for social justice. And in 2016, he had a lot of support for a comment like that, or he would have had a lot of support for for those exact comments. There was people on both sides that wanted to make sure that their voice was heard. And right now you're seeing that that's not acceptable by the majority of NFL players. There was a pretty powerful video where they came out and, you know, said that I am and then filled in the names, not just of George Floyd, but all of the of the people that have been affected by this, mm-hmm. you know, the the police violence over the last handful of years. Mm. And the NFL is saying that, you know, Hey, we need, we should have been better and we have an opportunity to be better. I think you're exactly right. Okay. Prove it, prove it, go out and go out and prove it. You're going to get it. You're going to have a very unique NFL season coming up because they're trying to figure out how many fans can go in. Mm. The voices have a chance to be louder for the NFL. It's, it's not necessarily a step in the right direction, but it, it does feel like there's some momentum going the right direction. Do you remember when Ray Rice came back? <laughs> he never did. No, he did. Oh, he came back momentarily on a two-game suspension, and then the video came out. And he was on the sidelines, and the camera panned over to him, and everybody cheered. Mm, yeah, I don't remember that exact moment. Yeah. yeah, I do. I kind of find it interesting that a lot of players are jumping on Drew Brees about this, but, you know. Guys like Ray Rice or, you know, accepting somebody like Kareem Hunt onto your team or, you know, all the guys that have committed domestic violence. I don't know. I never hear from other players who basically come out against that. Yeah, there's hypocrisy still out Isn't there. Isn't that odd? Well, no. I no? mean No, I mean, it's, it's... It's interesting to see what the NFL chooses to really pay attention to for the most well, part. Well, what's interesting to me is the comment that you just brought up is that the fans cheered him. If the fans forgive somebody, I mean, you're there to do a job. There's not, I think that there's a lot of an element of it where, you know, the, the team putting their arms around a guy that helps you win and the fans putting around your arms around a guy that helps you win is a little bit different. This, this is a lot bigger movement than, than Than I like say, uh, you know, I don't know. Me too. In the NFL. I think this is an underlying issue in the NFL, and I'm not trying to demean this movement that's going on right now, but I also do think it's incredibly interesting that the NFL pretty much just turns a complete blind eye, not only owners, coaches, and players, to the idea of domestic violence. And you really never hear any of them speak out about it, ever. And they just basically accept players and teammates with open arms. But something like this, I just find it kind of interesting. I don't really point it either way, but let's say that Drew Brees, it was came out that something happened in his family that related to domestic abuse. Think Michael Thomas really would have came out with a statement. It hasn't been the case that has not been the way that things have rolled with the not NFL. Really. No, no. I mean, I don't know. I just think that's kind of interesting. That's why I kind of poo poo on the NFL and the statement that Roger Goodell made more than anything else is the fact that 
they just kind of pick and choose and then kind of get the temperature of the room. And then they go, yeah, I think this is what everybody likes. Okay, let's go with that. We don't really stand for much. We're just reactionary. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. But again, that's what you've criticized. But I think the players in this have have put their faces out there. I think they and have, said yeah. that they're going to criticize. You know, they're they're not going to accept what they did even just a couple of years ago because the protest was about what's going on right now, which is police violence against the African-American community. It was about social injustice, and that's what's happening right now. And all I'm all I'm seeing is that the NFL has a much louder voice, but maybe that's because everything is amplified right now because there is no sports to distract from it. But like I said, it, it feels that this week that the NFL is, is putting their faces out there and putting their name on the things. And maybe it's exactly to your point where it's a league where you haven't seen players step up and go, yeah, we don't want this guy on our team. We don't. We want to make sure that we support somebody. I mean, Eric Reed is a Pro Bowl caliber safety. Had a hard time getting a job because he was one of the guys that the first to kneel next to Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick still not getting an opportunity to play football. So there, there's a there's a difference when you have the entire support of the NFL community, and we we didn't see that as much. It, it kind of just faded away. But here's another opportunity for them to go out and get in front of it and and do the right thing. Have they always done that? Absolutely not. Has every sports league stepped out and done the right thing at all moments? No, not even tennis. close. Oh, shut up. Can you think of anything horrible tennis has done? I'm not trying to defend tennis. I'm actually trying to think if tennis has ever done anything awful. Margaret Court does not have a great reputation. <laughs> yeah, it's That's true. the first thing that popped into my head. I mean, the whole not... Arthur Ashe thing. Yeah, okay. So yeah. They're, they haven't been right okay. on some things. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a sport that doesn't have. I know nothing about tennis. It did not take me long to yeah. think of something that was. I'm trying to think good. of a sport that doesn't have like a huge stain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think I mean they all do. Yep. In some way, a wrestling. Wait, what? Are you talking WWE wrestling? Yeah. We're talking about Bret the Hitman Hart or college wrestling? Oh, jeez. What was the Fox Hunter thing? That's Olympic wrestling, I suppose, but that involved college. Fox sure. Catcher. Yeah. Fox yeah, that Catcher, guy. Right? Okay, I guess. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, don't 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 bring up gymnastics. I will just. Oh well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Soccer. FIFA, dude. Come on. Yeah, man. FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. They're all right on the surface. Ping pong. Table tennis. Yeah. Yeah. Don't call it ping pong. That's racist. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah. right there. You bastard. <laughs> How dare right you? They're all right there on the surface. If oh. you look for them, everybody's. Disgusting. Got, it is disgusting <laughs> that you would even call that. I mean, even badminton uses a shuttlecock, and that's pretty controversial. I remember those. Yeah. I remember those debates. Yeah. Cornhole? It's called cornhole. I don't think you can poke a hole in cornhole. That's a pretty pure sport. <laughs> it's, a, it's pure athleticism it's at it. It's pure everything. At its uh, finest. You know what's not pure? My old friend Lenny Dykstra. There was a court decision that shows you if, if you're curious how low you can go, I think it may have been decided. Let's talk a little bit about Lenny Dykstra, a man I once personally threw out of a hotel that I was in charge of the front desk of uh, about what he did now and uh, and how bad things have gotten for nails. We'll do it next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. You handed me a canceled check. So Lenny Dykstra so and I... Uh, once had uh, some run-ins when I managed a hotel in uh, Los Angeles, the W Hotel in Westwood. It's beautiful. 
Uh, Lenny Dykstra stayed there and then uh, would, was paying one night at a time and then stopped paying his bill and we had to throw him out of the hotel. And I personally got to throw Lenny Dykstra out of a hotel one time. Fantastic. Well, I saw him in two separate headlines earlier this week and both fit perfectly in line with how I remember my interactions with Lenny Dykstra. He's a jerk. Well, it's official now. So Lenny Dykstra, you may or may not remember, in April of 2019, uh, Lenny Dykstra sued his former teammate and Mets commentator Ren, uh, Ron Darling for defamation because he was saying some bad things about poor Lenny Dykstra, and Lenny Dykstra sued him for emotional distress and intentional uh, for intentional infliction of emotional distress. So it's basically a defamation lawsuit, and things were wrapped up earlier this week in that suit. And I can read you the comments, but they go on and on and on. So I'll just read the last part and just know that there is a lot more that the judge put in his decision. But he said, again, just tons of stuff. Given the aforesaid litany of stories concerning Lenny Dykstra's poor and mean-spirited behavior, particularly towards various groups, including racial minorities, women, and the LGBTQ community, this court finds that as a matter of law, the ah. reference cannot induce an evil opinion of Dykstra in the minds of a right-thinking person or deprive him of the friendly intercourse in society as that evil opinion has no longer existed. So basically what they're saying is Lenny Dykstra, on record, is such a terrible dude that it is actually impossible for you to have a deflammatory comment about him. There is nothing that is part of the public record that leaves him with any bit of, of goodness that can be basically uh, ruined for him. So, the, so he's uh, he basically has immunity. Well, no, he cannot sue for defamation because his character is already so soddened with his uh, prior behavior that you can't have, a, you cannot possibly form a worse opinion of Lenny Dykstra than the one that you already have. Is basically so what it's saying. reverse immunity. Yeah, he has reverse immunity. He is such a scumbag that there's no way you can say anything bad about him that will give a right-thinking person a worse opinion of Lenny Dykstra. Man, I gotta believe that's kind of messed up in some way. It is messed I mean, up in some way. I'm not but, trying to like defend Lenny Dykstra, but you know, I mean, people change. I think <laughs> once upon a time. So here, here's an illustration of this earlier this week that Lenny Dykstra showed up twice this week. So tell me if this gives you any more insight into his reverse immunity thing as for defamation. Okay. Once upon a time, Dale Murphy and Lenny Dykstra were rising stars with the Philadelphia Phillies and they were on a, uh, a playing card together that was titled Mr. Dirt and Mr. Clean. Okay. Okay. Mr. Clean, Dale Murphy, Mr. Dirt, nails. One time I called up to Lenny Dykstra's room and he picked up the phones. I'm not even kidding you. Uh, this is nails. Ugh. Yes. Barf. Okay. Just want to make sure you have a proper opinion of, of him. Dale Murphy sent out a tweet on June 1st that says, Last night my son was shot in the eye with a rubber bullet while peacefully protesting for justice for George Floyd. His story is not unique. Countless others have experienced the use of excessive police force while trying to have their voices heard. That's a tweet from Dale Murphy. Okay. 
Lenny Dykstra's response is to tweet the photo of the Mr. Dirt and Mr. Clean baseball card. And he says, well, that from one half of Mr. Clean and Mr. Dirt. So inevitably, you need to hear from Mr. Bad Boy of the duo. No children of Lenny Dykstra have had an issue with police resulting from being part of an Antifa mob. We Dykstras have proper respect for the men in blue. Is Lenny Dykstra white? Yes, Lenny Dykstra oh, okay. and Dale Murphy, both white. Oh, all right. Well, that yeah, <laughs> that should explain it. But Lenny Dykstra (laughs) comes out and just goes, oh, yeah, like, oh, your kid's peaceful protest is now an Antifa mob. Yeah, you know, I I mean, mean, it just shows to me that, you know, there's certain people in the world who it kind of gets it gets separated into two lanes. There's one group of people who say really stupid stuff and then you get the other side of it and you go, oh. Okay, I understand why that was stupid. Sorry about that. Yep. And then there's the other group who say really stupid stuff, and then they hear the other side of it, and they don't want to be proven wrong. So they because, say stupider stuff. So that, yeah. So they take it up. They yeah. they do what uh, in science is called double down. Yes. Everybody says stupid things at one point or another. We're all ignorant to something. There's yeah. there's, there's as there's, long as you understand. Yeah. Now you don't have to agree with the other person, but you can hear it and then go, "Okay, I understand your point of view, though I still hold this opinion. I'm sorry." There is ignorance and then there is willful willful ignorance. Those are two different things. There are people that are just unaware and uneducated and they just don't know. And we're all uneducated on something. You take Not me. You t- <laughs> You take p- p- people that are m- the most proficient in whatever it is they're do, they do there's something they've never done before you know you 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 take a guy that you know is a rocket scientist and you take him down to you know the catfish lagoon and have him go noodling he might be out of his element he might be right in his element i don't know how many noodlers are uh, also nasa scientists but there's you're, you're going to find everything that something uh every, somebody everybody sucks at something thank you that's exactly okay. what i'm that's trying what to say you're trying to say but when when they are enlightened about that other side, what you're saying oh. is exactly true. Lenny Dykstra proves again and again that he is one of those people that is willfully ignorant. And now there are court documents to prove it, that he could not be a worse guy or could not at least be perceived as a worse guy. Congratulations to Lenny Dykstra. So Lenny Dykstra is pretty much like, uh, what? The, uh, the Seinfeld characters. No, he's like, uh, <laughs> Wasn't that how that ended? Was it like, you guys are just all awful? That was actually how the series ended. He's like the Sacramento Kings. You could not have a worse They're opinion so of them. so bad that you can't really even get him into the Biodome League. He's the Cleveland Browns. He's the Cleveland Browns. You could not have a worse opinion of the Cleveland Browns. I don't think so. Or like the Jaguars. Okay. Well, they have Gardner Minshew now. There's a lot of people here listening to this program in the Northwest. Yeah, but you can't really like go either way with them right now. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, they're terrible. It's like, well, I mean, they're yeah. kind of the same they've always been. <laughs> I think they're going to be better this year. Yeah, well, they haven't really shown that yet. He's still, so. he's still Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> uh, this time he's really got a shot. No, I don't think he does. Do you think he just is in this like snowball effect of holding up like a personality or something? Where it's just like... He's got to maintain it. His head is just like, 
it's just like exploding because it's like, oh my gosh, that's a good point. Maybe I should just kind of relent for a minute and just say, okay, I understand. But he's like, no, man, you got to be nails. You got to be true to who you are. Yeah, I don't know. You stumbled <laughs> through that a little bit, but I still think you conjured a full sentence. I don't think his in mo- internal monologue gets to full sentences. Oh, I, man. I think it's a very Homer Simpson. Oh, man, maybe I should say I'm sorry. No, <laughs> nails. No. <laughs> You're nails, damn it. The devil on his shoulders is just. Two guys going, how can we make this worse? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a beer? <laughs> the angel no, just I thought died. you did. <laughs> we should go get some beer. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I probably got uh, somebody on the, the fan text line, 503-250-1080, asking if I got a uh, Nails autograph. Not on anything, but we, we did have to lock out his room to get some money from him, and he had a poster that he brought with him to the hotel and had up on the wall of himself as the Beckett cover with nails, the oh, shirtless Mets pants. It's just, the guy was just, yeah, I was living in the past, bro, dude. I'll tell you, man, he is 100% living in the past, but you might be, you might be onto something. I've got to be nails. Got to be nails. Can I get another beer? All right. There's your Lenny Dykstra update. Uh, where do you want to go next? Will? I've got a couple things uh, for you. You want to talk about Jordan brand, the good things they're doing. Sure, man. All right, let's okay. do Okay. <laughs> All right, then we'll let do that, or we can talk about Pete Rose. I've got more bad baseball stuff. Oh, dude, don't get me on Pete Rose. <laughs> All right, we'll do Don't get me on Pete Rose, bro. <laughs> All right, Michael Jordan, it is Jordan, Jordan Brand making a significant contribution uh, uh, to the, the movement for racial equality in this country. We'll talk about that after this Sports Center update. This statement... Sent out by the Jordan brand. That's uh, Michael Jordan, not Montel Jordan. What about Michael B. Jordan? Not Michael B. Jordan. This is Michael Jordan, the former basketball player. He has his own brand. It's uh, part of Nike, the the shoe company. The Jordan, well, I guess they're an apparel company now, too. I mean, they're not just shoes. Wait, Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's more than just shoes. The Jordan brand is us. The black community, Jordan Brand, is more than one man. It always, it has always been a family. We represent a proud family that has overcome obstacles, fought against discrimination in communities worldwide, and that has that works every day to erase the stain of racism and the damage of injustice. Black Lives Matter. This isn't a controversial statement. Until the ingrained racism that allows our country's institutions to fail completely, uh, fail is completely eradicated, we will remain committed to protecting and improving the lives of black people. Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand has committed $100 million over the next 10 years to help promote racial equality and social justice in the wake of George Floyd's death. It's a big statement. Uh, Jordan... Famously apolitical, uh, d- has not been the most philanthropic uh, member of, of society, but this is this is a big statement, and I, I mentioned it earlier when talking about the NFL, but I don't know, there's something that feels different right now. Are you getting a sense of that in the in the world, or does, is this just another blip on the radar for you? Uh, I'm kind of waiting and seeing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know... I, I hate to compare this back to the Los Angeles riots, but, you know, from what I have read and seen through documentaries of that time, 
you know, people described it as a literal hellscape that there were buildings. Every third building in central Los Angeles was on fire and it was insane. Like people going crazy uh, about uh, what had happened to Rodney King and rightfully so. And I think the sad part about that is that after that, nothing really significant did change because we're still right here. And I think Jimmy Carter, who's a president that kind of gets crapped on a lot, and in certain respects, rightfully so, said something interesting that came out um, you know, earlier this week where he said, you know, I think about what I said during my acceptance speech, uh, becoming governor of Georgia back in 1970-whatever, and I said, you know, I'm going to work every day to try to create a more racially accepting America, a more open-minded America. And unfortunately, 50-something years later, I'm saying this again. And I think that's kind of a good way to encapsulate all of this is that, you know, America is such a massive and diverse country with so many different cultures and so many different ideas and so many freedoms for everybody that it's almost impossible to try to stamp out hate completely. And so I'm very encouraged by everything that's happening right now, but you'd have to forgive me to be a little bit wary given history. Yeah. Well, and there, there, there is no perfect solution to, to any of this. And like you said, to eradicate all hate would be, would be impossible. There's people that just, they hold grudges against, you know, people and communities and, and things. Well, and for, that, for wouldn't, a lifetime. that wouldn't be America, yeah. unfortunately. And, I, you know, I, that sounds bad to say that, but really, I mean, that's what America is. America is this melting pot of good and hate and agony and sadness and happiness and everything. And it's all this continual learning experience for everybody. You know, democracy is an experiment and we're still in it. Yeah. And you're never going to get the perfect result. You just kind of hope to get a little bit better every time. My my big takeaway from this week, and it, it's it's not a unique takeaway that I've ever had, but but I thought that the 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 loudest statements that stuck with me were it's about education. There's the, I'll tell this quick story and then we'll we'll get to to what to watch. But um, uh, Dave Chappelle was doing a stand up set in uh, I think it was in D.C. Um, and you'll forgive me if I have this wrong, but there's a reporter on site and during the show. Uh, a white woman in the back of the crowd uh, basically yelled something to the effect, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, um, but it was something to the effect of life's hard, get over it. And he was talking about racial inequality. And Dave Chappelle could have very easily just started busting on her because that's what he does. He's a professional comedian. But the room kind of the air got kind of sucked out of the room and uh, and Chappelle just stopped and took a moment and used it as an educational opportunity. And the reporter said that it was it was a really powerful moment on stage, but the more powerful moment was actually backstage. The woman and her friend asked if they could go and meet Dave to apologize personally. And she went back there and she said, I'm very sorry for what I said. I didn't know all of that that you shared with the audience. And, and Dave Chappelle took, took a moment and talked with her for quite a while and said, again, I'm paraphrasing, and I, I, I wish I had the quote up here, but it just it just popped in my head. I read this much earlier in the week, but he was saying that, he goes, th that's the whole point of this is you didn't know when you came here tonight uh, what you know now. 
And so the next time there's an opportunity, if you can stop somebody from making a fool of themselves and saying what you said or something similar, that's how we gain progress, is if we can all be educated and help the educational process as this moves forward. It's not just about the the voices in the black community getting out there and making a great, great speech. It's somebody hearing it and sharing those words, passing it forward. I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but that's at least the sentiment that kind of stuck in my heart after all of this is that it is about educating yourself and helping others around you grow. And if we can all do that, then uh, the world becomes a little bit a better place. And and like you said, we're going to have to wait and see. There's n- Nothing's going to be solved probably in our lifetimes. But if you can see it improve across the course of your lifetime, uh, that's, uh, that's so progress. What you hope for, man. Yeah. I mean, think about people back in the I, – I, I, I mean – I have to think about people back in the late 80s and early 90s, the fact that, you know, you had the Watts riots, and then you had the L.A. riots right after it, and then that turned into another thing, which was a very high-profile double murder case being politicized. Um, And, you know, you just think about all those, that confluence of events, one after the other, and I think that, you know, in our adult lifetime, whatever this is, the mid-2000s to now, yeah. you know, it's kind of been stretched out with stuff happening in Missouri, uh, Trayvon Martin, you know. Uh, We've all heard the list this yeah, week. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know what you're saying. It just is kind of spread out. It seems like it happens in these two- to three-year clusters where it happens, we learn a lesson in this kind of weird little slot of time and then we just kind of forget about it and then yep. something else happens then we learn the lesson and then we forget about it it's just kind of this yeah. vicious cycle when i was when i was doing stand up i was driving through roanoke virginia and we were doing a, a show there and uh just on the radio whatever that we didn't have you know every once we just turn on the radio whatever station it was on and it was the those are the good old days well no i mean we still i still do it but you know every once in a while you're just like all right i've listened dude we drove across the entire country for six months and you just you run out of things so it was just like cool we're in a new town just turn on the radio whatever is on and it was the 50 year anniversary of the decision for the brown versus board of education and they're reading letters that were written to um in, in into the radio station at that time period and they're reading those on air and you realize that 50 years and somebody mentions this on the fan text line you know 60 years from segregation now but th- th- it was one of those moments where you just go these people are still alive or the, you know they're, they're we're, we're not even a full generation removed from this way of thinking and you know a lot of them just kind of made your insights turn around and you just go man how could somebody think that way and in the pacific northwest we're I, we're pretty isolated from a lot of of the. It's really white out here. It's very, it's very there, white. I helped you. <laughs> well, no, but it, it definitely is. But I think we're also uh, isolated from a lot of the Confederate monuments and the the towns that have a, a racial divide in them. That's not something out here. You know, there was. It is very white out here, and and putting well, yourself in other people's on the shoes. west side. <laughs> Putting yourself in other people's shoes sometimes becomes difficult no matter where you are. But I think up here there's a, there's, there is an isolation from a lot of it. And as we grow up and we see everything that happens, uh, like I said, I hope that I'm a better person. And, uh, and hopefully this brings a lot of positive change. With that said, we'll move on. We'll tell you what to watch. Uh, we'll finish up the show with that. What to watch next on The Sinner and Saint. It's 1080 The Fan. Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? 
Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore Showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel, avid television viewer Will Darkins. And increasingly out-of-touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson. Are here to tell you what to watch. Literally, it's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint. On 1080 The Fan. Will! Yeah? What you watching this week, my friend? What's on, What's good on the old uh, television uh, stations out there? Uh, you did you, you finished all of your uh, exciting episodes of uh, rich people buying houses from crazy hot people? Selling Sunset. That's right. All right, listen. I need this to be a completely no judgment zone. Oh, this okay. always is. Right, oh. listeners? All right. right. Okay, jerk. Me? When have I ever judged you? Besides constantly. You know what I watched last night? <laughs> no. I watched two. Count them. Two straight episodes of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Did you really? I did. You get some design tips or fashion tips? What do they do on that show? I, did, I honestly I don't know. I they think that's find what people and they uplift their lives. Hey. My and? wife cried at like did two you? of them. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, man, these people are getting a lot of free stuff. I gave you a homework assignment. Did you watch Screwball last week? No. You need to watch Screwball, man. Well, you got to, like, give me a worksheet. I'll give you a worksheet. To the I don't learn really well if it's like, here's the reading assignment. We'll discuss it. <laughs> I, was, I was never good at that. Uh, fan text line 503-250-1080. UFC 250, baby. No. No, I will not be watching. You're not going to watch that? Have you watched any UFC? They've they've been one of these sports that is uh, carrying on. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, I started to watch the Lance Armstrong documentary. Did you watch Lance? I did. I watched part of uh, the second one. and uh... <laughs> I watched the opening, and it was just all profanity. Like, he, he probably said the F word 95 times in his little opening spiel on it, and it's, it's edited out because it's ESPN. Uh, but I found him... In a villain way, I found him to be a likable villain. Uh, I only watched the first half of it, but like I'm like I can really see why I don't like this guy. Like not that I didn't like him as a person, I just liked how easy it was to dislike him. I was like I could watch this guy. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish that this week. Uh, I, my wife was like I kind of want to watch it, so we kept trying to miss schedules or uh, line schedules so we could watch it together. I'm just going to watch it without her if we can't figure it out this week. Uh, but I, I found him very easy to dislike. Um, I think what I learned from that of like the 20 minutes I watched of the second part, like that guy was a master manipulator. Yeah, for, but from a watch the first part from a very yeah. early age, he was a master manipulator. Very and, weird. And the other thing was his stepdad just smiling into the camera. It's like, He's as great as he was because I used to beat the hell out of him. And he's got this dumb, creepy smile on it. It's like, yep, you're welcome, world. I gave you Lance Armstrong. 
Uh, text line, wife and I started Space Force last night. It's awesome. Oh, I heard Space Force is good. Maybe I'll watch that. And then uh, somebody else saying the Epstein documentary, which I actually did watch all of on Netflix. And make sure that... Make sure you have some time to think after watching that. Ah, yeah, I did see it's it. It's pretty awful. All right. Well, uh, there's there's what to watch, kids. Everybody have a uh, wonderful weekend. Be safe out there. Take care of your neighbors. We're all done. I'm uh, back on Monday for primetime with Isaac. Uh, I'll see you then. Bye-bye. So always look on the bright side of death. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.